High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Go to Matthew chapter 21. It is Victory Sunday, also known as Palm Sunday. And I want to uh, share a message with you this morning that I call Victory Now. Somebody say Victory Now. Come on, shout it like you mean it. Victory Now. I want to encourage you, victory is not meant for some, as something that you will experience one day. Victory is something that you are called to live in today and every day of your life as a believer. As a believer, you were never intended to live in defeat. You were not intended to live below. You were not intended to live uh, up against the ropes your entire life. You were intended to live in victory and in triumph. How many know that Jesus is the victor? I'm going to ask you, and I'm not sure if I'm in the right place. How many of y'all know that Jesus is the victor? How many know that he is victorious forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? And if he's victorious forever, then you are called to live in victory. Matthew 21, verse 1, very familiar, but it says this. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose, uh, excuse me, loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Like I've already said, today's Palm Sunday. It's Victory Sunday. Today we commemorate, we remember the triumphal entry. It's really kind of the beginning of what uh, is traditionally called Holy Week. But I love this passage of Scripture. I love what transpires. I love the actions that are going on here. To paint a picture for you, because oftentimes, you know, we kind of read the Bible. Uh, we don't really read the Bible. We read the Bible, right? We just kind of read it. We read through it so we can check it off of our yearly uh, read through the Bible in a year plan, but we don't really allow it to digest and realize what is going on in the scripture whenever we're actually reading it. Or we've seen it depicted in movies that are so uh, uh, so sanitized and so uh, bland that we completely really miss a picture of what is going on. So I want to paint a picture for you today of Jesus who is on a donkey riding into Jerusalem and while he is doing so, there is this absolutely wild and crazy worship service that is going on while he's coming into Jerusalem. I mean, these people, I want you to think for a minute how wild these people are getting, okay? These people are getting radical. 
okay? These people would fit in in any charismatic Pentecostal church. As a matter of fact, they put a lot of us that were here this morning to shame with the wild abandonment that they are worshiping with. I want you to realize what they're doing. Think about this. They, they, they are, they, it says they have, they have palm branches. And where do they get palm branches from? Palm trees. You know what they're literally doing? They're getting so crazy and so excited about Jesus and who he is that they're literally ripping palm branches off of trees just to worship him. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to rip a palm branch off of a tree, but it's generally not an easy task to do. As a matter of fact, I, and whenever we were in, in Orlando, our, our yard was filled with palm trees because every neighborhood in Orlando has 87 palm trees. And uh, in, it, I, I had tools that I had to use to help uh, get even dead palm branches down. And these people are yanking palm branches off of trees. This is a crazy thing that's going on. They're taking their clothes off and they're laying, not, they're not getting naked, y'all don't, they ain't getting that crazy. And y'all don't picture it too much, they're not getting that wild. They're taking their coats off and they're laying them in the road for a donkey to walk on. Now, um, anybody ever been to a farm before? Ever been around horses or donkeys or anything like that? All right. If you've ever been around them, generally animals like this leave a trail behind them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever been to Disney World before and you're walking down Main Street and you have the horses that are walking down the road and there's a couple guys who walk behind them with a broom? They got one job, which is the worst job, and I'll put me in the suit in 100-degree weather all day before you give me that job. These people are laying their clothes in the road for a donkey to walk on, for a donkey to literally, in, in a lot of cases, is going to use the bathroom on their clothes. Now listen, th this is getting absolutely crazy. These people are worshiping with wild abandonment, all while saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They keep saying that again. Hosanna, Hosanna. What does that mean? That, that word Hosanna literally means save us. Save us. They're literally shouting in the middle of the road, Jesus, save us. We can put it this way. They're saying Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus is saving us. There's jubilation. There's victory in the camp. You have to understand uh, the palm in ancient Rome, and it's still this way today, but especially in ancient Rome, it was used to signal victory. The palm became so associated with victory in ancient Rome that it was literally, essentially, it was a metonym for victory. It was a symbol for victory. It's what they used. And any sort of victory was always commemorated with the sign of the palm. You know what's really fascinating? If you stop and think about this for a second, they're yelling, Jesus, save us. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. They're raving palm branches. As a matter of fact, uh, if you really want to get a little bit nerdy for a moment, this entire uh, passage and what's going on really mirrors a, a Roman emperor who is returning home from conquest of a foreign nation. They would have very similar parades for Roman emperors whenever they would, and generals, whenever they would come from a foreign land, having conquered its enemy, their enemies, they would have a parade through the streets 
where people would wave palm branches and they would yell the praises of the Roman emperor, the Roman general who was victorious, and they would worship him. And he was literally considered uh, almost like a deity for the day whenever this would, entire celebration would, would, would uh, transpire. That, that's one reason, uh, we didn't read it, but if you keep going down, the, the Pharisees get really indignant. And there's a multitude of reasons they get indignant, but one reason is because Jesus is completely subverting the Roman culture. And he's saying, you thought that was victory, but I'm gonna show you what victory is. The Romans thought that they were victorious, but I'm really, they thought victory was found on the battlefield with a war horse. But I'm gonna show you that real victory comes whenever I come into town riding a donkey. <laughs> they rode a war horse, Jesus rode a donkey. Because Jesus is partially showing us that my victory and triumph isn't going to come through force. It's going to come through meekness. It's going to come through humility. It's going to come through brokenness. And Jesus shows up riding this donkey and everybody's worshiping him. They're celebrating him. He is literally, he's making an enemy of the Jews and the Romans. Because he's taking the Romans' entire, uh, in, entire uh, symbols that they use and he's turning them on their head and he's using them for his glory. And he's also making the Jews mad because he's going, guess what? I am the one. I am the Messiah. I am the son of David. I am the one who's come as the Messiah in the world. He's just making everybody mad. I, you've probably heard dad say this before, but Jesus wasn't really half as nice as most people think he was. And they didn't crucify him because they liked him. Everything he did was constantly subverting both the Roman and the Jewish culture. And he was going, y'all thought y'all had it. But I'm showing you who's really got it. Y'all thought y'all knew what victory and conquering was, but I'm really going to show you what victory and conquering is. But I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus saves. Jesus saves is what they're shouting. But think about this. Jesus had not even made a way yet for them to be saved. Everything is still in process. He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't been put in the tomb. He hasn't harrowed hell and taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He hasn't emerged from the tomb victorious over death yet. But they are shouting, Jesus saves. What is the victory they're celebrating? Can I just say this? This is really a preemptive victory celebration that's going on on that Palm Sunday. It's a preemptive victory celebration. They're celebrating before the victory has ever even actually happened. Let me grab a hold of this. They're celebrating before the victory has ever even actually happened. I think one thing Jesus is doing and one thing that's happening here is we're getting a model for how we should live our lives. I want you to think about this. Jesus, obviously, the triumphal entry, we know what's coming up. What's coming up is he's going to be betrayed by one of the 12 people closest to him. He's gonna betray him for 30 pieces of silver, which by the way, wasn't actually all that much money. He's gonna betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Then Jesus is gonna be taken and beaten and scourged and whipped and a crown of thorns placed upon his head. 
He's going to be lifted on a cross that he's nailed to. And he's going to suffer what I read an article years ago about written by a medical doctor who said that crucifixion is actually uh, the most grotesque method of torture that a human that that in humanity that has ever been dreamed up and probably the most uh, difficult and painful way someone could ever die was through crucifixion. Jesus is going to suffer what is literally the most painful death that's imaginable. And a few days before this, they were having a victory celebration. It's about to get really dark in the life of Jesus, but they're celebrating victory before it gets dark. Can I just let you know this? Sometimes you have to celebrate even when things look like they're about to get really dark in your life. Even when it looks like there's some circumstances that aren't going your way, that's not the time for you to begin to mourn and cry and sorrow and feel bad for yourself and go, how did I get in this situation? I don't know what's going wrong. It's all the more time for you to begin to celebrate because the good news is God knows the end of the thing before the beginning and you've already been called victorious. You've already been called the winner. You've already been called a conqueror. It's not time to cry. It's time to shout Hosanna. It's not time to sorrow. It's time to rejoice. It's not time to get depressed. It's time to yank some palm branches off trees and start waving them because you have already been called victorious no matter what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like right now. You've already been called victorious. It's already been settled. I'm going to say it again. It's already been settled. And this is what you have to do sometimes. This is what you have to do sometimes. This is what was happening here. Sometimes you have to go, I'm in time right now and things aren't looking good, but I know where we're going. So what I'm going to do for a minute is I'm going to step outside of time. I'm going to step outside of time. I know I'm still going to go through some things. I know there's still some things that aren't always, if you haven't realized it yet in life, not everything's always going to go your way. Anybody ever had some things not go your way in life? couple of y'all, some of y'all really doing really well. Anybody ever had some things not go your way in life before? Anybody ever got some bad news before? Anybody ever had somebody do you wrong? Anybody ever had relationships go awry? Come on, we've all had things that did not go the way we expected them to go. That's okay. When you're in that moment, you know what you got to do? You've got to step outside of time because you know where you're going. Come on, I said, you know where you're going. You may not fully know what it looks like yet, but you know where you're going. You know that you've already been called to victory. You should know that. I mean, you've already been called to victory. It may not look like victory, but you just step outside of time. Listen, you just hop in Doc Brown within the DeLorean. Y'all hit 88 and y'all just go ahead and skip forward. Y'all just go ahead and skip forward a little bit. Step outside of time and begin to celebrate the victory that you know is coming. I think that there's so many biblical examples of this. One of my favorites one of my favorites is, is, is in the parable of the prodigal son. It, when when, when the, the prodigal son comes home, it says the father is standing watching the road. Why was he watching the road? Because he was expecting his son was going to come home. It didn't matter that he had left. It didn't matter the reports he got back of what he was doing. He said, that, that, this is all just temporary. I already know where we're, I know where this is. I know how this story ends. To the point that whenever, in the parable Jesus tells, whenever, whenever the son comes home, the father tells the servants, hey, y'all kill the fatted calf. He already had the fatted calf prepared. You didn't just keep fatted calf in the freezer. You had to prepare it in advance for a feast that you knew was coming up. 
You see, the prodigal father, the, the, the father of the prodigal son, knew there was a day that was coming where his son was going to come home. He was already making preparations for the celebration. Even whenever he was getting reports about how his son was living crazy and spending everything and he was doing everything the wrong way, it didn't matter. He said, listen, y'all, I don't even need to hear this right now. I know where we're going. I know how this ends. Y'all may tell me we're in the bad chapter right now, but I've already seen the end of the book. I already know the end of my situation from the beginning, and I know that we're going to win. You just have to step outside of time and celebrate. Whenever things aren't going your way, it's not a time for you to go home and turn on the sad music and cry. It's not a time for you to turn on the sad movie and watch it and cry. When things aren't going your way, you need to avoid all of that like the plague. You need to avoid things that'll make you sad like the plague. You know, because you know what your flesh wants you to do? Your flesh wants you to feed the way you feel. But what your spirit needs to do is feel the way the word, uh, to, to feed the way that you're going, not the way that you feel. I'm not going to feed myself based on what I feel. I'm going to feed myself based on where I want to go. So you know what I'm going to do? If I'm feeling sad, I'm going to shout. If things aren't looking my way, I'm going to worship all the more. I'm not going to stand there with my hands on the back of the chair all mad and angry because things didn't go the way I thought they were going to go. I'm not going to get mad at God, mad at everybody else and go, God, where are you? And what's going on? And why is it taking so long? I'm going to praise my way through my difficulty into my victory. Got to step outside of time. I've already said you got to realize when you're on that road to realizing victory, you're going to go through some tough spots. Welcome to planet Earth. People are mean sometimes. Believers are mean sometimes. And if believers are mean, you better believe people in the world can be mean sometimes. That's okay. You just keep going. Don't focus on that. Focus on the victory you're settled to. Focus on the victory you're called to. Because you are going to live in victory. I want you to hear this. You're going to realize victory one day, but you have victory now. You have all the victory you will ever have right now. I want you to hear that again. You have all the victory that you will ever have right now. By faith and through Jesus, all the victory that has ever been available and will ever be available is available to you today. And you will realize victory one day, but you are spiritually seated in victory right now. No matter what your circumstances look like, you are already seated in victory. Sometimes your reality in, in the natural just has to catch up to where you are in the spirit. Sometimes where we are naturally has to catch up to where we are already seated. Your victory is settled. Jesus, Jesus has already conquered every enemy you will ever face. Every enemy you will ever face, Jesus has already conquered. Your situation that you're facing today, Jesus doesn't look at it and go, this is a new one to me. Never seen this before. I don't know what we're going to do. We need to get in a huddle and get a new plan. Jesus goes, oh, I've seen this before. Guess what? I already beat it. Oh, I know what's going on in your life. And guess what? It's already been defeated. Oh, I know, what, I, know, I know what you're sorrowing over, and I know the difficulty you're going through. Here's the good news. I've already beat it. I've already destroyed it. 
The Bible says this, that Jesus defeated principalities and powers and that he made a show of them openly, marching them through the streets. You know, you know what, you know what that actually, once again, this is actually calling the picture that is being painted. It would be very uh, known to the, the ancient Near Eastern audience that this is being written to because they would understand, once again, Roman culture. And what happened with Roman culture, as a matter of fact, the Message Bible actually, I'm going to get there in a second. The Message Bible actually says it like this, that Jesus made a show of them openly, mar marching them naked through the streets. You know what he did? This man, Jesus humiliated them. He humiliated them because once again, what, what, the, what the Romans would do is when they would go and they would conquer a foreign land, they would take its generals. They would take what Rome was once afraid of, what was a force that could harm them, and literally what they would do in that victory procession is they would strip them naked and they would chain them and march them through the streets in front, or excuse me, behind the general who had conquered, behind the Caesar who had conquered. That's the picture that's being painted for us, is everything that could be a threat to you and everything that could cause you fear, everything that could harm you, Jesus already defeated it. He marched it through the streets. He humiliated the enemy. He didn't just beat him, he humiliated him. You know, there's a difference between beating somebody in sports. Let me put this, let me give you a sports analogy. It's one thing to lose by one in a buzzer beater and be like, man, y'all just got the ball last. Good game. And it's another thing to get beat by 40 and just embarrassed on the court. Jesus didn't just barely beat the enemy with a buzzer beater. It was 150 to zero. He humiliated him and he marched him through the streets and said, is this what you're afraid of? Is this what you thought was going to hurt you? Is this the thing that you thought could beat me? It can't beat me. It stands, it can't stand against me. It's not opposite me. It's not, it's not even close to in the same universe as who I am. I've humiliated the enemy. Humiliated him. And that victory is for you. Your victory is settled. Paul Bryant, more commonly known as Bear Bryant, said this, if you believe in yourself, have dedication and pride, and never quit, you'll be a winner. Obviously, I'm gonna give you a little spin on that this morning. If you believe in Jesus, and you never quit, no matter what you're facing, you'll be a winner. If you stand in what he's done, and you never quit, you'll be a winner. There's a lot of people who end up looking like losers, but it's not because Jesus lost, it's because they quit. It's not because Jesus lost, he's never lost. Come on, Jesus has never lost. He's never lost in any situation. He's not starting with yours, you just can't quit. You can't throw in the towel. And trust me, I've been in situations before where I wanted to quit. Anybody ever wanted to quit before when you were in the middle of the battle? So I throw in the towel, I'm done, tap out done. You can't quit because you have been called to victory. Victory at the end of the day is found in belief. Victory is found in faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that now faith is. But we could say it, faith is now. Faith is now. The good news is this, you don't have to believe in you. You don't have to believe in your ability. You don't have to believe in what you can do. 
You only have to stand and believe in what he can do and what he will do and what he has done. Jesus settled the matter. I said, Jesus settled the matter. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul said this, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Look at somebody say, I'm already victorious. Come on, look at somebody tell them, I'm already victorious. Some of y'all are struggling with that because things you're going through right now. Listen, you don't need to struggle in confessing that you're, you're the victor. You should be so confident that nobody can sway you from it. I am I, firmly convinced the church needs to get a little bit of an attitude back when it comes to victory. There should be a swagger that we have. There should be a little bit of a swagger that you've got in the middle of what you're going on. You got to get your swag back sometimes. Huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever seen whenever a team goes out to face a, a, an opponent, they just know that they're just, they're just way better than them? Right, they just know on the football field this thing can be, you know, a hundred to nothing if they want it to be. They don't go into that game kind of like nervous and trepidatious. They're loose. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say loose? They're comfortable. They're having fun. You need to understand that warfare is intended to be fun for the believer. Let me say it again. Spiritual warfare is intended to be fun for the believer. Why? Because you've already won. Because the outcome's already in your favor. Because you're facing an enemy that doesn't realize he's already lost. All right. So I'm only sure about that. Y'all are so used to, some of you are so used to hearing this thing like the enemy is this big bad devil. And we're just little weak Christians who if we get lucky, we might get a, we might get, a, we got a puncher's chance. Y'all know what a puncher's chance is? puncher's chances and it comes from boxing where any fighter has a puncher's chance in a fight you can be way outmatched but you've always got a puncher's chance maybe, maybe you can hit a blow and knock out your foe let me let you know the enemy doesn't have a puncher's chance against you and you have a lot more than a puncher's chance against him you he is so outmatched by Jesus because you might look weak but the one who's backing you up is a lot bigger than you. And whenever the enemy looks at you, he doesn't just see you. He sees the one who's behind you. You may feel weak. You may feel frail. You may feel broken and injured. But guess who's stepping up right behind you? I want to paint a picture for you where the enemy's facing off against you and you feel like you've been through 11 rounds and you've just been up against the ropes and you've been beat down and battered. But guess who's going to step in the ring and step up behind you and say, you want another shot at them? You got to go through me first. And it's Jesus who stands as the ultimate victor. He says, you want to get to them? You got to go through me. And guess what? I already beat you and I'll do it again 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 and I'll do it again. You've been called to victory. Anything you'll ever face, he's already defeated it. No matter what's going on, he's made a way for you to be more than a conqueror. You know what more than a conqueror is? More than a conqueror means that he already fought the fight, but you get the reward. I'm going to say it again. He already fought the fight, and you get the reward. He took the suffering. He took the beating. He took the shame. He took on sin, but you get the reward on the other side. You get righteousness. You get peace. You get healing. You get victory. I'm sure we'll talk about it some next week, but the greatest exchange in the entirety of the cosmos that's ever happened happened because guess what? He took your 
sickness and he gave you his healing. He took your anxiety and he gave you his peace. He took your suffering and he gave you his wholeness. Listen, it's a great exchange. How can you not be a victor whenever that's the exchange? How can you be anything other than excited whenever that's the exchange? How can you not get a little bit fired up and excited and have a little bit ha have a little bit of swagger in your walk whenever you realize where you've been seated with him? Your enemy's already been defeated. So guess what? Because he's already been defeated, that means it's time to begin to celebrate. I'm just going to go ahead and challenge you. Some of y'all don't celebrate like you've been, like you're a winner. It's getting really quiet in here. Some of you don't celebrate like you're a winner. Some of you celebrate more for the sports events than your team winning than you do for what Jesus has done. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about when your team wins, okay? I'm, trust me, ask my family. Football season starts and they go, oh, is it time for dad to yell again? Yep, that's exactly right. Just depending on the day will be what kind of yelling it is. They go, why do you get so excited? Because that's my team. We get excited for our teams. I remember, I remember uh, it's been 10 years ago now. Last time Florida State won a national title, we were living down the road and it's been longer for you, MG. Y'all, you can't laugh. I love MG. Y'all know I'm playing with MG. But seriously, you can't laugh. It's been longer for the Gator, so. I was living down the road and had some friends at our house. They had a newborn. And obviously those games start late. They go late. It was probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Towards the end of the game, looked like FSU was, halftime looked like it was over. My dad was texting me, it's over. He always texts me that. It can be the first quarter, 7-0, and I'm gonna get a text from dad, game's over. FSU's lost. I'm like, Dad, there's like, it's only, there's 11 minutes left in the first quarter. We got a lot of game to go. <laughs> they were up against the ropes. They came back. They scored that touchdown. They were driving down the field to score. I think they got the ball with like a minute 13 left, minute 15, something like that. Driving down the field, they score the touchdown, and uh, I'm, I'm giving Tyler some heartache over here. Tyler's an Auburn fan. Scored with 13 seconds left, and uh, our friends were in there. They had their little baby who was, I mean, she was small. And uh, I told them, I said, I'm just gonna apologize in advance. Because if FSU scores here, I'm gonna wake up your kid. <laughs> And they scored, and I woke up the kid because I started yelling and shouting. My brother, he told me that thing because I literally ran up the wall. You were there? Kat and Travis and Kat were there. He literally, like, ran up the wall, and he told me he then went outside and ran around his house. He, like, Jericho marched his house over the football game. Right? And if you know my brother, you completely believe that without even questioning it. We got wild. We got crazy because our team won, right? It's exciting when your team wins. It's a lot better than your team losing. But shame on us if we get more excited 
about our team winning a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game or whatever your thing is, if we get more excited about that than we do about what Jesus did for us and the victory that is settled in him forever, because guess what? I'm glad that FSU won a national title in 13, but guess what? At the end of the day, it doesn't affect my life really at all other than it makes me feel good for a minute. But it doesn't really impact my life in the long run. It means zero in eternity if they won a national title or lost a national title. If they go 15-0 or if they go 0-12, it doesn't really make a difference in the grand scheme of life. Sure, we enjoy it. It's fun. We get excited. But if we get more excited about that, if we get louder about that, can we just go ahead and say it? If we worship that more than we do worship what Jesus has done for us and who he is, we honestly have an idol in our lives that we need to deal with. If you find it difficult to yell and shout over what Jesus did, but you can yell and shout over what a football player did, you have an idol that you need to deal with in your life. Once again, I'm not condemning you for any of that. I guess what? I'm going to shout. I'm going to yell. We're going to have a great time this season. In Jesus' name, we're confessing it in faith. But guess what? I'm going to shout all the more over what Jesus did. I'm going to dance all the more over what Jesus did. I'm going to run up the wall all the more over what Jesus did because he's already settled it and I've already been called victorious. How can I do anything but celebrate? Listen. This is, this is the thing. Whenever you, begin to, whenever you begin to realize you've won, you begin to celebrate. After FSU scored that, that touchdown, there was still time left on the clock. A little bit of time left. Not very much, like 13 seconds. There's enough time for a return and maybe one play. I think it's what, maybe one or two. Two plays. Dad's watched it a lot. <laughs> when, you, when, you're having a, when your team's having a bad day, you just pull that one up on the DVR and watch it again. Wasn't a lot of time left. But guess what? The, the players on the FSU sideline knew that the game was over and they'd already won. And guess what they started doing? They were dancing on the sideline. I remember one clip, I'll never forget it, For the, it's a great gift to this day. They pan across the sideline and a dude walks into frame doing the robot. Still time left on the clock. Listen, there may still be time left on the clock, but you've already won. Huh? There might be some time that's still left on the clock, but you've already won and you've already been made victorious. Don't wait till the clock hits zero to celebrate. Start now. You can go ahead and start celebrating now. There was still time left on the clock on Palm Sunday, but they went ahead and started celebrating then. It's go ahead and time to start celebrating. I want to challenge you to begin to celebrate like you've never celebrated before. Oh, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, you get comfortable. Get comfortable. You should be celebrating what Jesus has done. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I, it doesn't really matter. I didn't ask what you were going through. We're not going to let our circumstances dictate our praise and our worship and our response to what he's done. I don't care what you're going through. As a matter of fact, if you're going through something, it's all the more reason you should. It's all the more reason you should. Because your praise will push you through. It's the realization of victory that propels you, not your circumstances. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Don't give me two more minutes. The true victory that Jesus realized was when he rose from the grave that we're going to celebrate next, next week. However, they celebrated his victory on Palm Sunday. I'm just going to leave you with this thought, which is this. Don't wait until you see the victory to celebrate.
I'm going to say it again. Don't wait until you see the victory to celebrate. Start now. Start today. And don't let it be a sidestep praise. Don't let it be a little one of these. We should be like the people on Palm Sunday who were celebrating with wild abandonment. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the, in the highest. I also want to prophesy to you, to this body, that you're entering into a season of realized victory. But to see victory realized, you have to start celebrating like you're already living in it. To see victory realized, you have to start celebrating like you're already living in it. I want to encourage you to start celebrating what you're believing for. Start celebrating what you're believing for. That you start preparing what you're believing for. Because Jesus has already done it. And Jesus has already made the way. Your victory is now. It's not for another day, another time, another season, another year. Your victory is for now. Your victory is for today. Your victory is for this moment. You are destined to win, not to lose. You are destined to conquer, not to be conquered. You are destined to be the winner, not to be the loser. So let's start acting like it. Stop acting like somebody who's wallowing in defeat and start acting like somebody who's been called to victory. Listen, it's not for another day. It's your now time. It's your victory time. Your season for victory is here. Will you stand up to your feet? And if you believe it, will you just begin to worship him? Come on, will you begin to lift your voice and thank him for it? Come on, church, lift your voice and thank him for victory today. Come on, lift your voice and thank him for victory today. Come on, lift your voice and thank him for triumph. Jesus victorious forever and ever. Jesus victorious forever and ever and ever. Just lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. I just want you to pray with me today. Say, Father God. Come on, shout it out. Say, Father God, I thank you today for victory in my life. I'm entering into my greatest season of victory, and I'm going to act like it. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to dance. <laughs> I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to shout because, Jesus, you've made me victorious. Hell couldn't stop you. And hell isn't going to stop me. The enemy couldn't hold you back. And the enemy's not going to hold me back. I thank you today for victory and for triumph in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, will you give him a shout of victory if you believe it today? Come on, give him a shout of victory if you believe it today. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.